Hi, this is Dr. Julie Osborne, and welcome to my CBT podcast. I hope you're doing well. As always, thanks for being here and joining me. I've been getting so many great emails, so every week I will have something new to share. But today I wanted to share with you Jenna, who emailed me. She said, hello there. I just wanted to say hi all the way from Yorkshire, England. Your podcast is really helping me, so I just wanted to share that positivity and say thank you. I love how you explain things and challenge thoughts I didn't even know I was having. I've shared it with everyone I know, and I hope will help them too. It's giving me the confidence to seek CBT help through the health service. Big love from across the pond, Jenna. So thanks, Jenna. I really appreciate you taking the time, your kind words, and especially sharing it with everybody. As always, my intention here is to teach CBT for everyone to learn and be able to use it and make your lives a little better. So I'm glad it's working. I'm glad it's working. So again, I hope everybody's doing well and staying safe and and using the tools that you're learning with the time that you're spending with me. So today I'm going to talk about relationships and I wanted to start off by um, sharing something that I ask a lot of my clients when we're talking about relationships that they're in, whether it's personal or maybe even, you know, dealing with work relationships or, you know, whatever the circumstance is. And I'll say to my clients, you know, are you honoring yourself in this situation? And it's the same as when I tell you my mantra, which is make decisions based on what's best for you, not how you feel, is I don't have to tell people if they're honoring themselves. And I don't tell people whether, you know, what the best decision is for them. That would I all that I believe in my heart that we all know when we're making decisions based on what's best for us versus how we feel. And we all know if we're honoring ourselves or not. So it's a really good question to just ask yourself in the moment when you're struggling, am I honoring myself within the situation that I'm in, and especially with relationships? And if you're not honoring yourself, then that's what you need to address before you address any of the other problems that are going on. And why or how am I not honoring myself? Am I not setting boundaries? Am I not speaking my truth? You know, am I allowing abuse to go on? You know, what is that for you? So that's just kind of a staple to have in your life along with my mantra, make decisions based on what's best for you, not how you feel, and am I honoring myself in this situation? So I just wanted to start off with that because I think it's just a really good place to go and I use those you know, questions for myself all the time when I'm dealing in situations. So it's just a good way to ground myself, I think, too, when I'm kind of like maybe even not sure what the best thing is to do sometimes or, you know, trying to balance things out or please somebody or how am I being hurt or am I, you know, worrying and, you know, all those things. So honoring myself is is the most important and then you can go forward and make good decisions. So keep that in mind while we're talking about the topic today, which is relationships. And I wanted to address that, you know, sometimes it takes more than love for relationships to you know be healthy and grow i know i've had so many experiences where i've worked with people that aren't in the best relationships and usually you know if i say why are you staying the first thing someone will say is well i love him or i love her and then i'm like okay well what do you love about the person and many times (laughs) my client sits there in silence really thinking, what is it I love? Because it just kind of rolls off our tongues. Well, I love them. I love them. But, you know, what does love mean to you, right? And what is love? Love is a verb. Love is how someone treats you, you know, the actions that they take, being trustworthy, being honest, being, you know, committed, you know, all the things that make things in the the relationship that are important that 
create the love. Love is action. So if you're just saying, oh, because I love them, and that gives you permission, right? There's your thought. If I love them, then I should be here. And that's what I would consider probably a hot thought, right? My hot thoughts are the thoughts that aren't 100% true. That just because I love somebody, that's not what's going to really keep the relationship going. And it's not even the number one thing if you really look at the list of of uh, qualities and attributes we need to be in a healthy relationship. You know, love is created by these things, and we need to see if that's in the relationship to really feel good and to have a healthy relationship. So when I say sometimes it takes more than love, you know, what I'm talking about is that, you know, when we make a commitment to our partner, our usual expectation is that our relationship will last for life and that our love will see us through the inevitable hard times. Yet, when reality sinks in, we have to acknowledge that while love is one of the components of relationships longevity, it really takes more to make it through the long haul. It takes community and family support, which isn't always as available as it once was in our society. And it takes skill and skills we need to learn. Just like learning the CBTs, those are skills, right? And most people don't have skills. I meet so many people that, you know, they got married because like, well, that's what you do. And then I have kids because that's what I do. But they never went to any premarital counseling. They never read a book. You know, with parenting, they never read a book. They just figured, well, I should know how to do it because everybody's doing it. But it is a skill to be in a long relationship. Many of, many of us have failed to learn how to negotiate our way through relationship difficulties to build a lasting connection. So psychologists, which you probably know, have carried out substantial research over the past several decades trying to understand the secrets of why some couples are able to stay together and others are not. So, for instance, the psychologist that has probably done the most research is John Gottman, who's at the University of Washington, and he studied thousands and thousands of couples and has, re- has a remarkable success in predicting which couples will make it and which ones will not. So contrary to popular wisdom, just to share, one of his findings is that increased sex does not necessarily improve a relationship, although it can, it's a really good thing, right? <laughs> he also found that financial problems do not always imply for a couple um, that there's trouble. Because we always, you know, now I shouldn't say we, but I know I share with my clients that most of the problems relationships have is sex and money. And those are the reasons many people break up. But his research shows other things, which we're going to talk about in just a second, um, that really affect relationships. So it'll be, it'll be fun to talk about and good to know and kind of for you to assess where you're at in a, whatever relationship you're in. So one of Gottman's major findings is that couples who fight are not necessarily on the road to breakup. In fact, he makes the point that arguments may be constructive in building a long-term relationship because they help us to clarify our needs and increase mutual respect between partners. But whether the arguments will lead to a breakup or not depends on how the couple resolves its conflicts, how you resolve your conflicts. There are positive ways to resolve conflicts that could also really strengthen the relationship, right? So how do you resolve your conflicts? Is that a problem? Do you guys have it down? Do you feel like you have tools? Arguments don't necessarily mean your relationship is in trouble, and they might be an essential component of a long-lasting relationship. So one finding to emerge from the research is that couples are likely to succeed if they have a healthy balance between positive and negative emotions and interactions. And in fact, strong relationships have a five-to-one ratio. So five parts, they have positive interactions to one part negative. Couples who break up, on the other hand, tend to have more negative than positive interactions. 
So what are some positive behaviors in a relationship so we can be more clear, right? So one is showing interest in what your partner's saying. You know, going back to one of my podcasts about what did you say, which is about active listening, that's what we're talking about here. Most of us are really not good listeners and not showing that interest. You know, you want to show some curiosity. So when your your um, partner shares something with you, it's not just like, oh, okay, but, you know, ask some questions. Show that you're interested to really understand. Another positive behavior is expressing affection to your partner, both verbally saying I love you and non-verbally like holding hands and doing kind little things for each other. Also showing you care, maybe by making a phone call during the day or bringing home flowers. Um, I tell a lot of couples, you know, since texting is in our world that, you know, it's fun to flirt through the, during the day, you know, through your text. So those are sh- little ways of showing you care. Also showing appreciation by remembering the good times in your relationship or telling your partner how proud you are of him or her. And, and by being specific. So it's not just, again, saying I love you, but maybe sharing, you know, what is it that you love about your partner? Also, what I was just sharing about is indicating your concerns. So instead of acting defensive... Show that you're concerned about your partner's troubling experiences or apologize if you say something hurtful without thinking. You want to convey empathy in your facial expression and verbal feedback and show that you truly care about what your partner's going through. You want to display acceptance of your partner's thoughts and feelings and this shows your respect for your partner. So if you're using my tools regarding the thought record and you're trying to communicate better by sharing, you know, what am I thinking versus how I'm feeling. I go over in my podcast called You're Right and So Am I about how to communicate well with your partner. So that's also showing and displaying the acceptance, you know, when someone shares their thoughts, um, that you're able to hear them, even if it's difficult. Also, another positive interaction is just joking around, which includes playful teasing, laughing together, maybe acting silly together. You know, dancing in the kitchen, having, you know, fun at the park, you know, just doing some maybe, you know, stuff maybe you do when, you know, let your let your little uh, inner child come out and have some fun. And also sharing your joy when good things happen. So you want to share that stories about what you're happy about and to celebrate together. So those are just some positive behaviors and maybe ask yourself, you know, can I check off that I'm doing these already and are there some things I need to work on? So let's talk about when a relationship has some trouble. So that is when one falls into a negative cascade, they call, is a term that we use. So one negative reaction leads to the next until there's a seemingly insurmountable wall between the two partners. Relationships that enter that destructive phase need attention and can benefit from the trustworthy, confidential intervention of a professional therapist. So I don't see a lot of couples, but when I do, they normally come in to see me when it's like, well... Hey, Dr. Osborne, either you're going to help fix this or we're going to get divorced. (laughs) And I'm like, well, I'm not a miracle worker and you should have come in probably five years ago. So going to marital therapy, you know, look look at it as a tool. I think most people look at it like they failed, right? And again, thinking the thought, the assumption, the hot thought is, well, you know, it's marriage. Everybody gets married or most people get married and We should just kind of know how to do this. My parents were married 50 years. We'll figure it out, you know, without having any tools or skills or or you might be repeating the same way your parents communicated, which maybe wasn't healthy or good if there was a lot of fighting in the house. So, you know, a lot of people think it's a failure to go to therapy in general. 
So to then to come to marital therapy, but you know, it really is the strength of coming and going to marital therapy. I can tell you when me and my husband went, we just had like these, um, I called them like speed bumps. Like there were just some things like we just couldn't seem to get past or resolve. They weren't major, but I'm like, let's just go talk to somebody. Let's get a different perspective. And it was super helpful. And then once you develop a relationship with a therapist you like, it's super when you can go back, even if it's a year or two down the road, they already know your story. So if we needed to go back, I would definitely go back to our therapist named Tim and see him again because he already knows our story. We don't have to go through everything, you know, and sometimes just to get over those bumps in the road because we all have them. But it really shows a healthy relationship because, you know, we're dealing with our conflicts. and We want to make them better. So don't wait till you're ready to sign the divorce papers to go get some help. I just wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> and that's where the therapist can help. So sometimes the two partners fail to notice when they've entered into this cycle because they feel justified in reacting as they do, but the price they pay is the slow erosion of the relationship. And it may seem possible for them to recapture the love that brought them together in the first place. You know, a lot of people have a lot of resentments and it builds up and it's really hard to um, sometimes work through that. Not possible, but it's definitely challenging. So let's talk about what are the issues that... Um, Dr. Gottman is really brought to life and um, really cause havoc in a relationship. So the first one I want to talk about is criticism. So criticism involves attacking your partner's personality or character, not just his or her behavior. And that's why it's so painful. There's usually an element of blame in the attack. Criticizing your partner leads to defensiveness and may encourage your partner to withdraw from you. After all, if your partner feels blamed because of a personality flaw, it would be a difficult thing to repair. A complaint, on the other hand, especially if it's stated with an I statement, is an expression of your feeling that allows your partner to correct the situation. So stating a complaint, though it may not be pleasant, can enhance the relationship because it gets problematic behavior out in the open or it can be talked about. Some complaints often begin with the word I, and criticisms usually start with the word you. So to repair this pattern, try stating your criticisms as complaints that your partner can respond to and not take it as a personal attack. Make your complaints specific and talk about them as a behavior that can be changed. So you want to take responsibility for your own part in the problem. You know, we always want to, or I always recommend to always say, you know, what part am I playing here? Because that I have more control over changing than someone else. But also, I don't want to just blame. And I want to say, this is my part, but maybe this also is your part. And if you could work on this, that would really make a you know, big difference to me. So that's how you want to deal with, you know, criticism is not attacking the person. So talk about criticisms versus complaints. So criticism would be like, you're a workaholic and you don't care about me. A complaint is saying, I feel unloved when I have to be alone so much when you're working late at night. Another criticism could be, you know, the world revolves around you and you, you need to have the last word always. A complaint, you could say, I get upset when you interrupt me. So you can see there's a real difference. And a complaint, again, somebody feels like, okay, that's something I can work on. Another real big problem is contempt. If the criticisms within a relationship are not addressed, the interaction between the two partners may lead to contempt. And this stage of the negative cascade is seen when there is an attempt to insult your partner by saying, you know, you're just a pig around the house and I don't know how I could have ever loved you. Contemptuous remarks go right to the heart of your partner's sense of self. 
They are meant to hurt. There's several forms of contempt, such as name-calling, insulting jokes about your partner, mockery, and body language, such as sneering, eye-rolling, or curling your upper lip. If a relationship gets to this stage, it's difficult to recapture the love, and it may be really vulnerable to a breakup. To make this situation better, both partners need to identify the contempt and to replace it intentionally with words of affirmation and respect. And they need to work on trying to achieve the ratio of the five positives to one negative. So again, everything can be fixed. You just have to pay attention and be willing. Another big problem is defensiveness. When a person's bombarded with criticism and indications of contempt, it's natural to feel like a victim, and victims go into defensive posture, right? So someone might say, I haven't done anything wrong, so stop picking on me. Defensiveness is an attempt to protect yourself and to guard against further attacks, which is normal. You know, we all just react. The victim feels justified in doing this. However, what is not often understood is that defensiveness tends to escalate a conflict rather than quelling it, right? Because now I'm defending myself based on what you're saying to me and not really hearing the problem. The partner who does the blaming feels that the other one doesn't get it and is resistant to addressing the problem. This can result in a standoff where constructive communication comes to a halt. Rather than trying to mutually love the problems in the relationship, really wanting to solve them, the two partners spend their energy defending themselves, nothing's resolved, the conflict escalates, and the negative cascade continues to damage the relationship. So how do I address defensiveness? You want to address it, this type of phase of the cascade is to learn how to stay calm. When anxiety is reduced, it's possible to ward off criticism, but into perspective and avoid reacting defensively. Which, I mean, just hearing this out loud, we all know how tough this is, right? It's helpful to learn how to react to the overall situation rather than to only the words that are spoken in moments of conflict. Staying calm protects us against the possibility of feeling overwhelmed during heated moments. And then the last one I want to talk about is stonewalling. This one's really tough. And I've experienced this before where someone just won't talk to you. So in the final phase of the negative cascade, the couple finally breaks off normal contact. Dr. Gottman found that 85% of stonewallers are men. Sorry, guys, but that's what the research shows. <laughs> this phase characterizes a stage in the damaged relationship where one of the partners decides that no communication is better than the destructive feelings and words that have prevailed prior to this point. Withdrawing from interaction sends a powerful negative message, and the stonewaller may feel that this is the only option left. It's important to note that a common fighting technique between partners is for one to use, quote, the silent treatment, but this is not the same as stonewalling. The silent treatment is used on occasion, while stonewalling is a habitual reaction for the couple and is preceded by the first three phases of the negative cascade, right? Criticism, contempt, and defensiveness. Relationships that get to this point are still salvageable, but they're fragile. At this stage, the couple must want to work hard to save the relationship. So in order to address the problem of stonewalling, the couple should address issues like learning to stay calm, speaking non-defensively, becoming aware of the thoughts that maintain their distress. And again, a therapist can help a couple learn these skills. So again, where I was saying, you know, one of the tools is becoming aware of the thoughts that maintain their distress, right? So that's my thing, is your thoughts. So what am I thinking about my relationship that's pissing me off so much 
that I'm just going to stonewall. And stonewalling is so hard too because the person that's stonewalling is really controlling everything because you literally can't make somebody talk. And there's no growth. No one's going anywhere at that point. And the other person feels totally disrespected and probably the stonewaller feels disrespected. It's just a vicious cycle. So if you can learn to use your tools that you're learning with me, doing the thaw record, which is figuring out, right, what am I thinking when I'm angry, hurt, frustrated, anxious, whatever my negative moods are, and being able to communicate that to your partner versus I'm hurt, I'm scared, I'm frustrated. Why do you feel that way? If you share your thoughts, I'm hurt, like the example I used earlier that, you know, you, you choose work over our time together or you're at work so much we don't have enough time together. You know, and my thoughts are that work is more important than us. You know, then the partner can really address that thought that work is more important than you. And if that's true or if it's not and work on that. So my other podcast called the ABCs of CBT walk you through what I'm talking about, the whole fall record for you to learn how to figure out what am I thinking when I'm hurt and be able to challenge that and know what your hot thoughts are, right? Which are thoughts that are not 100% true. It might not be. It's probably a hot thought that your partner chooses work over you. But you need to express that and walk through that and see what's going on. And sometimes, you know, people do things that they don't even realize that might be hurtful or maybe they're not giving you enough attention and they may be wrapped up in other things in their lives. And that's where the communication breaks down and then everybody feels hurt and then, you know, starts attacking each other. And, you know, we've all been there at some point in our lives probably, whether it's with family or our partners. So to really understand what I'm teaching with CBT, learning your thoughts and addressing them and challenging them and sharing them can really make a huge difference, not just within yourself, but with other people in your life. So let's talk about making some positive relationship changes. As I said, there's still hope for couples who find themselves in destructive patterns, but they must learn the new skills. And, you know, if you can do this on your own is great. Again, finding a therapist is generally the most effective way. You know, also I know when I've met with couples, you know, just hearing me say something, sometimes one of the partners will hear it differently because you know, there's, I don't have an emotional relationship, right, the same way as you do with your partner. So your emotions, right, get all in the way and how you're feeling and past hurts. So when a third person can say or help one person communicate something in a way that can be heard, it can really change the dynamic. So that's why I've mentioned a few times that therapists regarding this stuff can be really helpful. So one thing is to learn a skill is how to avoid, actually, <laughs> flooding. And this is a feeling of being overwhelmed by your partner's negativity and your own reactions. In flooding, you feel that you've reached your limit and can take no more. A person who experiences flooding feels hostile, withdrawn, and defensive. The person feels the need to calm down and may feel like running away from the situation just to get some relief. So a good therapist can teach the partners how to stay calm in these situations and use positive thinking techniques. Both partners also need to redefine the attacks on them as simply the way the other person is trying to make their point and being able to step back and understand that and really want to hear what your partner's saying. Arguments are not necessarily a sign that the relationship is in trouble. 
In fact, conflict is a way to clarify our expectations about our role and our partner's role within the relationship. So this clarification allows both partners to feel comfortable and secure, and the couple needs to know that they can trust each other. Mutual respect can emerge out of productive arguments, and making conflicts constructive is a skill that can lead to a lifetime of love, intimacy, and the experience of knowing that you're cherished by an important person in your world. So there's so much to be gained by working through the difficulties in our relationship. And I personally believe that most people I've met that have been divorced really didn't need to get divorced. But if they went and got some help early on or some help at all, because some people never go get help, that they probably could have stayed together and worked it through. You know, the amount of divorce that's out there and even second divorces is just astronomical. And it's a shame. And, you know, I always say, you know what, there are definitely some people, and I've met them, (laughs) that really need to be divorced, right? Not everybody should stay together. I'm not saying that by any means. But many people that break up could have worked things out. But it just got so bad, and they didn't know what to do. And then it got to the point of, you know, it was beyond repair, which is really a shame. Because it doesn't just affect the couple, but, you know, family, and obviously if there's children involved. So, you know, before you make any major decisions, if you feel like you you guys are stuck, like, go get some help. And let me say this, too. You know, couples therapy does not have to be with the couple. Because why I say that is that we're all reacting off each other, right? What came first, the chicken or the egg type of thing. And when one person comes to see me and I can teach them how to communicate I can teach them how to have more insight and, you know, how to understand what their thoughts are and what their hurts are about the relationship. And they make changes many, many, many times. The other person, their partner, will will make changes as well because they're reacting off of you. So if you go home and you start acting differently and you communicate differently, you're going to most likely get a different reaction, you know. And that's really what the marital therapy is about, right, is teaching everybody new skills. And sometimes, or many times, I should say, You know, I see a lot of people that have relationship issues and they're able to help fix them by them, you know, looking at what what is my part. Remember I said that? What is your part here? Let me see if I can make changes and if that person's going to react differently. So don't, you know, um, assume at all that your partner needs to come to the counseling session with you for there to be some progress. A lot of people are like, well, we're not going to go because we're both not going. You know what? Go show up. If, is it important to you? Is this relationship important enough for you to, to repair or to fix or improve? Go show up. Go see what you can do different because you're playing a part here, right? It's never 100% someone else's fault. What part am I playing? I want to be better. I'm not communicating. I'm having a hard time showing the love I want to show to my partner or having to deal with maybe something my partner's going through. So, there's you know, there, it's a long list. It could go on and on what I could share, but... You know, don't make the, you know, decision about getting some help, whether your partner's going to come with you or not. Because a lot of times one person won't go, but the other person shows up and we can do a lot of work still. So before I forget, I just want to mention, because I've talked about Dr. Gottman a lot. He does have a book called The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. So if you're interested in reading more about his techniques and his tools and his research, um, that would be the book. As always, um, the book I use, uh, one of the, my main book, right, is Mind Over Mood, Changing the Way You Feel by Changing the Way You Think by Dr. Greenberger and Dr. Podesky. That's the workbook I use with my clients. But there's lots of, you know, Feeling Great is another book I use by Dr. David Burns. So lots and lots of books. 
It's not the only one, but I just wanted to share that since I talk so much about Dr. Gottman. So let me leave you with some more skills for creating a healthy relationship so we can talk more about the positive stuff here. So Dr. Gottman also points out four strategies for improving your relationship. Most of us are not necessarily adept at these skills, especially when we enter into a significant life relationship, but learning them gives us a good chance to increase the success of both our relationship and our total life experience. Because when we have a good relationship, it really you know, bleeds into all the other areas of our lives that are really positive. So as I was saying earlier, you want to learn to calm down. So this skill is especially important when we need to deal with the flooding. It also allows us to stay objective in the face of conflict. Staying calm allows us to see the overall picture rather than reacting to the stressor of the moment so that we can assess the more understanding and caring parts of ourselves. When we are physiologically aroused, we are prone to losing ourselves in the emotions of the moment. And then that can mean allowing our anger to go out of control. So there's a number of techniques that can help us calm down. First, you want to take your pulse. You can also take a timeout which I talk to my clients about all the time when things get out of control. A 20-minute recess allows us to return to our baseline level of arousal. You want to, of course, change your thinking from distressful thoughts to self-soothing thoughts. For example, you know, he's angry now, but this isn't about me. That would be a new thought. And try some deep breathing to try to capture some peaceful thoughts. You want to give yourself a moment. Timeouts are not just for our children. Timeouts are for us. And that way we're not so reactive. Another way just to think about this too, as I tell a lot of my clients and I see it for myself, that you know when conflict arises, if I look at it as an opportunity, then it's not so negative. Like, oh my God, what's going on? What's going to happen? It's like, okay, here's an opportunity for me and my partner to grow, to, to you know walk through something difficult and get to a better place. So if I say to my brain, if my thought is here's an opportunity versus oh no, 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 I'm able to calm down and to think things through better. You also can also learn progressive muscle relaxation techniques. Your therapist can teach you this, and also if you listen to my anxiety podcast, I walk through what um, progressive muscle relaxation is. And then also any aerobic exercise can lead to a calm feeling. So depending on the situation, if you can go put on your running shoes and go jog around the neighborhood, jump on your bike, you know, take a brisk walk, whatever you can do to let the stress out, it can be really helpful. Another thing you can do, another skill I should say, is to speak and listen non-defensively. So deliberately make yourself have positive, caring thoughts about your partner. Focus on what is right in your relationship, not on what is wrong and needs to be changed. Share these thoughts with your partner through praise, compliments, and words of appreciation. This may be a difficult skill to master, especially when you feel irritated, but the reward to your relationship is invaluable. You also want to validate your partner. So this means showing empathy for your partner's situation. Let your partner know that you appreciate the experiences he or she is having and that you consider them valid, even if you don't agree on a point. Take responsibility for what your partner might blame you for. It takes strength to apologize, but it's better to be right or to have a healthy relationship. Which one do you want to choose, right? Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Compliment your partner on his or her ability to make their needs known. And last but not least, overlearn these skills. It might be relatively easy to try these techniques from time to time, but the clue to a successful long-term relationship is to use them daily and over the long term. These skills need to be automatic 
and that comes from practicing them. You and your partner will be better off for it. I think I've maybe mentioned another podcast that, you know, having good healthy relationships, you know, is work, but it's good work. You know, we none of us maintain anything in our lives unless we work at it, right? Maintenance. So you don't, you know, get to the point where you want to physically, if you're working out, and then say, okay, now I'm done, I don't have to do that anymore, <laughs> right? Or if you're dieting, once you reach your goal, the hardest part is maintaining. So the same in a relationship. It's not like, oh, I'm going to use this this one time. I'm going to do a timeout, or I'm just going to praise my partner this one time. You want it to be an everyday thing, loving affirmations, praising them, sharing, you know, you appreciate that they came to you with a difficult situation or that you can see the changes that they're trying to make. So it can go a long way because, you know, if you think about, you know, treating your partner really the way you want to be treated, then maybe that will give you some ideas. And also use the knowledge you have about the part, your partner. You know, I tell this to couples too, that we all know our partners pretty well, but we ignore the knowledge we have and just do things the way we want to do them. I want to say it this way. Well, that's not maybe going to work with your partner. So, you know, use the knowledge you have. What really helps your partner? Sometimes, you know, the person you're with needs time to process. So maybe just holding their hand and not feeling like we have to talk. We have to talk right now. If they say I need a little bit of time to think about this, give them that space. Or if they really like to talk about things, then be available to talk to them. So, you know, there's lots, again, lots of ideas. Um, As always, you know, I'm here for you. Send me your questions, your thoughts, any ideas, anything you think I left out or I didn't clarify. I love being part of creating healthier relationships and I understand the importance of that. And I work on my relationship every day as well. And it, it definitely pays off. And, you know, it's worth it's worth it. It's worth taking the time because it's not all about, again, you're just your partner, but you're part of this, right? So having a healthy relationship will make your life better as well. So Again, ask yourself, am I honoring myself in the relationship I'm in? If I'm not, then what things do I need to work on or what things do I want to go talk to my partner about? And as always, make decisions based based on what's best for you, not how you feel. So stay well, be safe. Reach out to me at uh, my Instagram page on my CBT podcast. You can email me at mycbtpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on my website at mycognitivebehavioraltherapy.com. And you can also find my Facebook page at Julie Osborne LCSW and on LinkedIn as well. So I'm all over the place and you can find me and keep sending the emails. And I really, uh, again, love all the feedback and all the encouragement you guys are giving me. And um, I'm so grateful to be of service. Take care.